Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and uh, uh, we're in the middle of the combine. Um, you know, how much time have you spent watching uh, the happenings in at Lucas Oil Stadium? Um, I mean, I was watching all his editing a little bit there, so I get to see some of the wide receivers run really fast, and I'll watch some of the tight ends uh, routes later. I'll watch some of the receivers routes later. I'll check all that out. Um, I have a DVR though, so I mean, you know, it's on demand anytime, which is the way that I like that. Like, I got the Senior Bowl on demand. I got to watch. So I got the NFL PA Bowl. I got to watch. Still got the. <clears throat> Uh, HBC U Bowl, I need to watch. So I got the Hulu Bowl, I need to watch. So, I mean, Todd, I, I have, and then the Shrine Bowl. So, I mean, I've got a lot of a lot of college all star games ahead of me. But, uh, as Andy Rube would say, I look forward to the challenge, you know, like, I mean, this is this is what I live for, Todd. So, this is like your the 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 Tommy's burger of your life. I mean, yeah, for people who don't know, Tommy's Burger is uh, Andy's favorite burger out in California that TV's Mick Schaefer did a story on um, at KSHB.com. So, yes, um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the whole NFL draft, NFL prospects, that is definitely my, uh, it's kind of my Tommy's Burger. Free agency is, will, depending on how it goes, could be up there, may not be up there, but um, draft is always there. Free agency is always I feel like there's less control over that, right? Because there, there's so, you know, I feel like with the draft, with the analysis and looking at the prospects and the, the, the mock drafts that people can do and stuff like that, even though I don't think that, you know, obviously there's any more control over that, you feel like you have a little bit more control. So the draft feels like, a you know, something you have more of a handle on. Free agency is more of a crapshoot, I think. Or feels like more of a crapshoot. I don't know, Todd. Either way. There's hope for every franchise in the NFL draft and free agency. The hope goes away really quickly. At least in the draft, <laughs> you have the hope from April till the first couple of weeks, of September, when you see that your team's terrible or had a lot of injuries. Well, and look, I mean, you've got until, you know, Tuesday at what three o'clock before the chargers franchise, Mike Williams. And you're, why would you put that out in the universe, Todd? <laughs> but yes, I will be sad if that happens. And I'll be sad when Jesse Bates gets franchised. <laughs> By the Bengals. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all right. Um, Can't believe you put that on the universe, man. I'm just what? saying, I mean. Why would if, you do that? If you were in the office on Tuesday, I would be there to hug you when the news broke. But I know that's your day off. Otherwise, I'd definitely be getting a hug. <laughs> yeah. No, that'll never happen. <laughs> uh, hey, I think we promised to talk about uh, the secondary and running backs this week. So do you want to start with linebackers? <laughs> yeah. oh man we gotta work with you on words <laughs> no but um let's let's start with the secondary because i think that's where outside of defensive line and wide receiver i think that's probably where the most intrigue is um you know given the free agency situation for tyron matthew for charvarius ward for you know for you know everyone there's just, there's a lot of question marks there too, just like there are um, along the defensive line. So um, do you want to start with safeties or corners? Cause, cause obviously safeties. arguably the best safety and corner on the chiefs roster from last year uh, are potentially going to be gone if they don't work out a deal with either Matthew or Ward. So, 
Yeah, I, I think Ward's probably going to get ten million a year on the open market at minimum. So I expect him to go to somewhere else, and I expect uh, if the scheme's not right for him, I expect them to be a little frustrated about middle of the year, and uh, you know then they get to deal with the consequences of paying that for a multi-year deal. Um, Ward's actually best in the Kansas City scheme, so unless he can find a scheme similar to that, I don't know if it's going to work out to the level that uh, the other team that's paying for him will hope for. Tyron Matthew, I think that one's going to be interesting. Like I said before, I think the – I think the Ravens will be involved in that one somehow. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys weren't involved and somebody that's looking for a veteran leader. That's kind of trying to make that playoff run. I think those are kind of, those are kind of the teams that should honestly be targeting Matthew for their squad. So I I do, I I personally kind of expect him to move on to a new team. And I mean, kind of the reality is it's kind of been the MO for him is, I mean, you know, he's, with the Cardinals for a certain amount of time. And then you got to turn the page there and he went to the Texans and then had to turn the page there. And he's in Kansas city. And it's the best franchise he's been a part of. So he's got to go find a franchise of equal value. Otherwise, you know, it's not maybe not necessarily the way he wants to end the prime years of his career athletically. Yeah. He'll land on his feet and he'll be a valuable piece for somebody. I, I agree with you though. Charverius Ward has some strong Steven Nelson and free agency energy yeah. to him. Yeah. You know, like somebody's somebody's not going to quite know what they've got and overpay for it. And then, you know, he'll end up with another team on a, not a rookie, you know, not a vet minimum deal, but not far off of it either. Uh, right. and, you know, potentially in a few years. So, um, but let's start with the safeties who are available on the market and, uh, um, I know there's some guys out there, you know, we mentioned Jesse Bates already, um, you know, that you're pretty high on that. You feel like could be a scheme fit. Let me ask this though. I mean, Jesse Bates is one of those guys. He's going to command a, you know, a big contract, um, yeah. you know, probably North of the three year, $42 million deal that Tyron Matthew was coming off of. And when you look at the money that's kicking in with Patrick Mahomes deal, I mean, Frank Clark's still on the roster there at 26.3 million. Um, you know, Chris Jones is making a lot of money. They've got some decisions to make with, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill. What do they do there? I mean, can they realistically, do you see them paying top end dollar for one of the top end safeties on the free agent market this year? Or, you know, is that more of a luxury? Do you think? I think it just depends on what they feel like from a draft perspective. If there's enough quality safeties that, they feel like can go into the fourth round and be able to work in their scheme and execute in their system. I think that'll be a big part of it. Um, but I, I mean, I think they're going to need some veterans with range, no matter what, whether they get the top end safety or not. I think a lot of that's going to depend on if they got a top end receiver or, or pass rusher or even corner for that matter. <clears throat> Cause I think in terms of top end money, I think they're willing to pay it at receiver. I think they'd be willing to pay it on the defensive line. And then I think that if though if they strike out on one of those spots, then I think they would move up corner or move up safety behind that to the top end money if there's a chance. And then if that didn't work out, then maybe a top end corner. I don't think they're going to spend massive, you know, top end dollars at more than two positions. I think they're going to go find some more mid tier to, um, you know, starter quality type guys at a lot of different positions. But I think it just depends on who that, you know, who, who ends up getting released here in the, in, uh, in the next week and a half or so with cap space. And, um, if they can find some deals in that regard. So, I mean, I think I, I, I think the chiefs are going to be able to create a significant or comfortable amount of cap room 
to do to add what they need to to this roster both this year and for the next two years. So I know I know if you go to kshb.com and you and you look uh, on the Chiefs page, Nick's already got a lot of his uh, free agent fits articles out there. So I, I know some of you checked them out. I hope uh, I hope the rest of you guys will, and then you know um, share them with your friends. But you had Bates. Who... Share them with your enemies too. We need all the clicks we can get. Here, <laughs> right, people. right, yeah. Maybe, Maybe your aunt yeah. Tilly. I don't know. You know. Listen, everybody got to eat, man. Everybody got to eat. Um, Look, Jesse Bates is a guy who essentially ended the Chiefs' season right with that interception um, in the AFC Championship game. For I mean, the I feel like I feel like the lack of adjustments is really what did that. Mm-hmm. But you can well, but it. you know, but in but, in the end, in the end, I mean, you know, they didn't give Tommy Townsend a chance to be the MVP of that game by pinning him deep. Um, you know, and, and that's all she wrote. But what do you like about Jesse Bates and what his fit would be in the Chiefs' scheme? Yeah, I mean, I think athletically, like he he can play center field, and that's really big. For Steve Spagnuolo's scheme, is there a guy athletically that can play center field? I know people want to say, hey, Juan Thornhill can do that. I'm, I'm telling you, Juan Thornhill is still not 100%. And he doesn't look like he's back to who he was before two years later. So I'm concerned about if he's ever going to get that back now. And I just don't think you can wait on it anymore. Doesn't mean that he won't get it. And, you know, but you can have two safeties that have range. That's not a bad problem to have, especially with Thornhill on a rookie deal. But you just you can't wait on that anymore. You need you need as much versatility at the safety position as possible. Jesse Bates provides a lot of that, and he'd be a great center fielder and being able to track the football. Marcus Williams is he Jesse Bates light ish? I know he's another guy that has um, you know plenty of range and plenty of versatility depending on what scheme and coverages you want to run. Yeah, I don't think he would get the same number on the open market as Bates if they were both out there. But I do think Williams is going to get a nice payday. And if Bates gets tagged, I really think Williams is going to get a nice payday from somebody that really wants that range of safety. And like I said, I mean, he can, he can play cover two, play cover three, play cover four. I mean, he's got – he showcases good ability in all three. And, I mean, he can run from one hash to the boundary – to the opposite boundary without a problem. And that <clears throat> that's hard to find, that type of range. So people like him and Bates, like those are those are guys you don't – you don't get upset about if you have to pay for that because that's, that's not easy to find. Yeah. And look, I mean, as we've mentioned a couple of times, Bates is, is definitely a franchise tag candidate there with the Bengals. Williams is almost certainly going to hit the market given the salary cap situation in new Orleans. Um, and he's a guy who uh, you know, the, the saints had a really good run defense. And part of that was, was also uh, Williams's ability to come up and be physical, um, you know, and, and he, he's a, He's still got some of that old school, like, you know, downhill in the box safety, you know, somebody who's going to, you know, bring the pain uh, against ball carriers to his game too. So he wouldn't be a bad second prize if the Chiefs end up wanting to go that route. I can't disagree with you, Todd. Is there anybody else that you put in that kind of elite group or, or after Williams and Bates? Is it kind of now you're starting to look for, um, you know, guys who are, you know, maybe on a little bit cheaper deal, um, you know, because they're not elite, you know, they've got some gaps in their game, but they still could prove to be valuable in, you know, for Spagnuolo and what he wants to do and and trying to fill that hole that, you know, we're presuming will be created by Matthew's departure. Yeah. I mean, the next wave at that point below that ends up becoming Marcus May from the Jets. I mean, athletically he can he can definitely cover half the field i don't know about the whole field he's more of a two deep guy but i mean he can also work and run support he may be more of kind of like matthew in that regard i mean 
he'll, he'll dodge the blocks and I mean, he'll make his presence known in the run. So, I mean, I, I think may is kind of more, more in line with what Matthew was. And I'm not saying he's completely a Tyron Matthew, but I think he's more in line with that. Uh, Quandre Diggs from the Seahawks. I'm, I'm really curious about him because he can, act, he's versatile enough to where you don't have to pay him top dollar. Um, but like he can play free. He can play strong, be a physical, strong safety. He's, you know, he lays the wood in his hits. He's explosive on straight line speeds. You know, he's a solid tackler. The question mark for him, that's going to knock him financially is like coming off of an ankle injury. Is he able to regain all that form or not? You just don't know on that one. Then the next guy on that list would end up being Jordan Whitehead from the Bucks. He's more of a downhill, strong safety. He's going to have to be something like that. And I think he's he's better in underneath coverage. He could take part of that from math from what Matthew was. I don't think he could rotate into free in that regard. And then he could be physical. You know, he's physical over the middle. He's physical in the flats. I mean, like I said, he's good in run support, and he's he's a very physical blitzer. So he could give them a lot athletically, and especially at his age, he's, he's an ideal age. And then, and then there's a tier below that. What about a guy like Xavier Woods at, at Minnesota, or um, you know, J. Ron Curse with the Cowboys? And where do you see those guys fitting in? Yeah, they're they're the one that'll be on that next tier. I mean, Xavier Woods athletically. He can do the single high. He can do the two deep. I, I like his acceleration. I think he anticipates routes well. I think he does a lot of good film study to be able to feel out those routes and when to drive on them and, and kind of gets the quarterback's tendencies down. I think that helped lead to some of his interceptions and ability to jump those routes. He's not aggressive with it. It's more from his film study. He's got a good good feel for that. He, tra- he tracks the ball well. There was one of the interceptions he had on a deep post where he tracked that ball like just phenomenally and was able to stay in that receivers stay in front of that receiver. Didn't even stay in his hip pocket. He stayed in front of him, was able to make the pick on it. I mean, he's willing to help and run support. And again, that's another guy that's a good blitzer. Uh, Jaron curse from the Cowboys. He would be more of like a Daniel Sorensen role for me. Like, I mean, I think he could be a strong safety kind of work in the box as a nickel linebacker type cover the tight ends up the field, work out in the flats, be good and run support. And I mean, you know, have a physical man coverage style. So, that's that's kind of what I think with those guys. So I mean, that's that's where I could see them envisioning each one of them role wise. Um, you know, you talk about range a lot, but that wasn't necessarily the strength of Matthew's game. Matthew was a guy who was who was versatile, right? I mean, you they played him a lot in in the slot. Um, you know, and they played him all over the place. Um, what what are the attributes that you think are most important when you're looking at a free agent safety? Um, to to really shine and be effective in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme? And, and, you know, why are those important in that scheme? Um, a lot of it, I think, ends up, for me personally, I think a lot of it has to do with athletic ability for, like I've talked about with range there, just simply because it allows them to call so much and be able to dedicate more people to the line of scrimmage or within that 10-yard range or, you know, with, before the sticks type of thing. That's that's where I think that defense is at its best with some of their zone coverages and how they go about that. Now, the thing that made Matthew unique, like you said, with the versatility aspect of it to where he could play all over the field, um, part of that is just just good play recognition and just smarts and you know the mental aspect of it where Matthew had that. And I'll be curious to see if the Chiefs sign somebody they feel can do that and duplicate that or if they're signing guys that play more physical attributes that they're still having to try to find and manipulate. But either way, I mean, you know, I think they're going to need safety help, especially if Matthew's gone. They're really going to need to figure out who they want to be the leader in their secondary 
short term and long term. So that that'll be a big question mark. Yeah, you look at cornerback and and again the Chiefs have a lot of of what I'd say holes to fill and, and you know and and in part like they didn't fill all the holes last year, right? Like you know they brought in Mike Hughes and that didn't work out. DeAndre Baker struggled to see the field. Uh, you know, whether that was injury related coming back from, um, you know, the leg injury he suffered late in, in 2020, um, or whether, you know, DeAndre Baker is just, you know, never going to, um, blossom into, uh, the player that, that, you know, people expected when he was a first round pick coming out of college. Um, and then obviously we talked about ward, but, um, what, what are some of those traits that you think are going to be important for, the chiefs to find identify and add to the roster from a, you know, in the cornerback spot for me personally, like I want to see guys that have better vertical and height and long, you know, long, uh, long arm length, um, or longer arms with good arm length. I, I think that those would, I think those would benefit the chiefs for some of the receivers are going to be facing down the road here, especially when it comes to jump ball, even though they just have one or two corners that can do that. That's better than none. Um, so I think that's a part of the intrigue, but I mean, like we've talked about before, one of the biggest things that the cornerback spot that you have to have on a regular basis is just with the way they do some of their pattern matching, the versatility between man and zone coverage and play recognition. Those, those are high, those are high qualities that the chiefs routinely need and they're secondary. And that's not, that's not necessarily the easiest to find at all times. You know, you can't, can't find those rare unicorns that athletically have that to where they can, do that much a coverage wise, uh, ability wise, athletic wise, all that combined. I think that's not the, it's not the easiest to find. There's some guys that are just great at zone, but terrible at man. There's some guys that are great at man and terrible at zone. And so there's just some of that can be a struggle overall collectively, just having to overwhelm your mind with that, with that much in terms of versatility that that can, that's not an easy find in the draft. Yeah, I mean, look, the the I, I think that pretty clearly the top guy on the market is going to be New England's J.C. Jackson, and it, it for whatever reason, you know, and this is New England style, right? They, you know, they tend to let guys go. They let Steph Gilmore go, uh, well, traded him, I guess, to to Carolina, but they were willing to let him go. Um, you know, and J.C. Jackson's the next guy up. I mean, he led the league in, in pass breaks up, uh, break, sorry, pass breakups last year, and had eight interceptions. Um, he, he is one of those guys, like you said, he is the unicorn. He is the guy who is, um, he can play man. He can play zone. He can do everything you need him to do. Um, and, and has the athletic ability, uh, you know, you can, you can leave him alone without the safety help. And he's another guy that would allow Steve Spagnuolo to get more creative near the line of scrimmage because you don't have to worry about a guy who gives up, you know, less than 50% completion, uh, you know, uh, on balls, you know, thrown his way. So is there any, I mean, do you think the chiefs would really spend the kind of money it would take to bring JC Jackson in? And, and short of that, is there anybody else who you like in that spot? Um, I, I think it's going to depend on how they do it receiver and how they do a uh, pass rush along defensive line about if they can spend that much a corner. I just, I don't think they're going to spend top end money at corner. I mean, maybe JC Jackson sneaks in there and they want to do something like that, but a guy I didn't put on my list because of height, but it wouldn't stun me one bit. If he got here to replace Charverius Ward would be, you know, it'd be Williams with the Rams, you know, Darius Williams with the Rams. Like that wouldn't stun me if the chiefs 
Brett Veach didn't make a move like that because he's a really good number two corner with the athletic ability. Like I said, I just <clears throat> I kept him off there because I know he's under five ten and he's inching near twenty, I believe twenty nine years old. So I, that's why I kept him off of off of it. But I mean, like that, you know, maybe that's where they spend a little bit more money in that regard. I I instead put like Bryce Callahan, you know, as the slot corner because I mean. He can play outside if you need him to. He can play in the slot position. You know, he's comfortable in both man and zone. You know, he closes well downhill. I mean, he's got the acceleration. And then, you know, and then Kyle Fuller's another guy that I had just because he's capable of working in both spots. And, you know, he likes to play more of the off and soft zone coverage. But, I mean, he's capable in man. And then the next one I had on the list was Trey Herndon from the Jaguars. Um, Like I said, he can work inside. He's got good arm length, which kind of – that's what I kind of liked, and I thought he had good acceleration to go with it. He can be physical, the receivers. He's willing to blitz off the edge and has good blitz. Uh, he's able to blitz well. And uh, I think he's capable of deciphering and has that that mental capacity to be able to adjust the coverage, you know, when receivers switch, which can be tough too because Sorensen really kind of struggled with that and didn't have that like, ability to recover from stuff like that. And I think Herndon would do better at that. Um, and then Witherspoon from the, uh, from the Steelers, that's another guy that I, I really, really liked. I, I liked, you know, I, I thought he had good athletic ability. I don't, I think he could be cheaper than what Ward would be, but give you similar production to what Ward did and the way he's able to read and drive on routes and the way he's able to play off and soft coverage, but still capable of man and zone. I like how he blanked his receivers, how he understood to force them to the sidelines and how aggressive he was in run support and forcing deflections. Like Witherspoon's kind of my sneaky uh, guy that I'm rooting for, that I don't think you have to break the bank for, but I I'm very intrigued to see what they end up doing. And, you know, that's another spot that corner and, and safety, no matter what they do, like those are guys that they're going to need to invest in, in the draft for years to come, not just this year, but down the road to be able to keep that cost down. So there's some other guys, I mean, some older guys, Steph Gilmore's available again, but you know, Carlton Davis from the Bucks. there's some guys like that who are, are probably going to be prized by some teams. Why don't you think some of those guys uh, are necessarily fits with what the chiefs are going to be looking for? Um, from an age perspective, I just don't think Gilmore's right for him athletically or age wise. Um, I know Butler's come supposedly coming back from retirement. So I'm curious what he'll end up doing, where he'll end up going and what he's going to financially cause Carlton Davis. That guy's going to be just as expensive as JC Jackson ends up being franchise tag. Like Davis is going to get top dollar from somebody. And I, I just, I, I felt like Davis, uh, Davis is kind of more of a, I thought he fit better in zone coverage. I didn't think he had the same versatility that you would kind of want um, for what, what you would end up paying for him. So I just, I don't, I didn't, I kept him off my list because, because of that. Um, I, I think Patrick Peterson's available. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if that was like four or five years ago, yeah, it would have been fine, but that's not 2018 anymore. I just wanted to start Patrick Peterson to the Chiefs rumors to see if we could get Twitter all cranked up again, um, you know, like party like it's 2019. No, I'm sorry. It's not going to work <laughs> out. Um, all right, anything else you think is worth mentioning as far as the secondary? And nope. you know, like I said, I mean, it's probably – not going to be the chief's top priority, but it's definitely, um, you know, safety and corner are definitely spots that need to be addressed um, and need to be addressed in a substantial way. I think during this off season. Yeah. I just, I think that it's going to be really financially expensive and free agency to do. 
And I think if you're going to invest the type of money, they really need to invest it more in receiver and defensive line. Well, and, and here's the other thing. I think the chiefs under Reed and, and, and certainly under Veach too have been able to kind of find under the radar guys, whether it's a Legarius Sneed, whether it's Rashad Fenton, and then the staff has been able to develop them into usable guys. And they've been able to get by with, you know, making some training camp trades or off season moves like a Mike Hughes, you know, who they brought in for a seventh round pick, uh, you know, like a Charvarius Ward who they, you know, traded a low end draft pick for at the end of camp because they liked what they saw when he was with Dallas. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Dayton Moore in, in the middle of the last decade and his ability to just find middle relief type guys who could turn into setup men that, that either, you know, solidified your bullpen or turned into valuable trade chips. I think that there's some confidence with Steve Spagnuolo, Dave Merritt, and that staff that they can find guys and develop guys into usable pieces in the secondary. And I don't, I don't think you have that same history and success when it comes to say uh, wide receiver and defensive line, right? They haven't had as much success drafting, developing, bringing guys in. Um, I mean, I guess maybe Sammy Watkins, I guess, you know, that worked out okay-ish. Um, when he was on the field, he played well. They went to a couple of Super Bowls with him. But, I mean, I think the Chiefs have a lot of confidence that they, they, can figure, they can find a solution to the secondary one way or another. If they can't get it done in free agency, then, then they'll probably have to use some more draft capital on it. But they'll, they, they're not, you know, they'll, they'll get it done one way or the other. Correct. Uh, let's talk running backs because that's a, a need. I, you've been kind of beating the drum that you feel like it's a sneaky need for the Chiefs. Um, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> all along, I wish you guys could see his face on the Zoom when he leaned into the mic to say that. Um, but like, look, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has proven to be injury prone and maybe not as explosive as they'd hoped. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's a free agent. Um, I, I mean, I think he showed some flashes of, of some pretty good things, but you know, I mean, who knows whether he's back? I mean, maybe you know, maybe they can get a similar guy, you know, that they bring in. Um, you know, Daryl Williams, another free agent. I mean. You know, there's there's some questions with the depth, and there's some questions with uh, I think um, getting the right pieces in place at that position to to maximize its value in the offense. So, who are some guys that um, that you're looking at and thinking, hey man, if the Chiefs can add this guy, it could be a real a real difference. With with of course the caveat that. Um, Again, this isn't a position where the Chiefs are breaking the bank at, right? Right. Um, first thing I need to put out here, I feel like any Saquon Barkley's coming. Stop. Okay, my bad. I did. I did watch his tape though, just in case, because I knew somebody's going to ask that question. <laughs> um, he's still getting back from the injury that he had before. He's he's not 100 percent back to the same explosiveness he had his rookie year. He's still got the vision. He's still got the he's still got the cut, but some of that explosiveness that he had before, like it's still still working his way back to that. So that's one of the reasons the Giants are willing to move on from him. Um, oh, this is a, a all right. I'm gonna say my first point first, and the second point after this. First point is this: I feel like any guy who may have gone to Patrick Mahomes uh, to one of his recent Vegas trips, 
I feel like they're they should be safe on the roster, right? And uh, one of the, a couple of those people were uh, went by the names of Jarek McKinnon and Orlando Brown, and uh, you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Travis Kelsey. Uh, so yeah, I was gonna say Edwards Hilaire was there too. So um, I feel like they're I feel like they're all gonna be okay. They've like got the Pat stamp of approval. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I feel like they're gonna be okay. Um, now that now the second thing I'm gonna say, and this is something that like people. People ask me about like it's it's funny because like people want to ask me what players do you like and then I give them what players I like and then and what players fit and then they're like okay but they've got this problem and this problem what you know I'm like that's what free agency is free agency is about guys that either their production doesn't match like match the cost that they're wanting to get um, the team can't afford them because of their salary cap issues see the Saints. They have an injury history that you know they may not you know may not come back 100 percent from, or they're just not good scheme fits. I mean, like there's you know there's there's multiple reasons why those guys are in free agency. If they were flawless, their team would have paid you know would have gave them the extension to where they're never hitting the market, like a Patrick Mahomes or you know a Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill during that time. Like guys who are entering free agency have flaws to them. That's what every player has. So I mean, when people want to nitpick it, and I'm like. It's it's like going to a garage sale. You know, you're going to find a cabinet over there that's got some dents on it. You know, you're going to find one of the chairs at Todd's garage sale that looks like it, you know, it's it's got some problems with one of the wheels. Like, you know, that's just that's just the way it goes. I don't have any wheeled chairs. I've got some high chairs um that I could sell you though. No, thank you. Um, I won't be able to fit in any of them, but thank you for that. That's, very <laughs> yeah, that's, kind a, fair, that's a fair point. They are designed for children. <laughs> well, then why would I buy it? I don't have children. I mean, you know, maybe you're stockpiling for the future. I don't know. Todd, I'll only I, charge you. I'll only charge you double what I charge other people. <laughs> charge me double. It's very kind of you. Well, I mean, I, yeah, there, I, I, I give a discount to huggers. So, well, um, I guess I'll be paying double for the rest of my life. Um, but anyways, you know, getting to the running back now, get to the running back part. Um, the guy who fits, and I'm not kidding when I say this, I didn't expect this to be the case, but after I got done watching a lot of them, I was like, wow, he's really, he's a great fit for him was JD McKissick from Washington. Like I was really surprised at how explosive of a back he was before he had the, uh, he had the head injury. I don't know if they ever deemed it a concussion or not. I think they did, but he had that towards the end of December there. So, I mean, but he's an explosive back. I thought he ran really well at a shotgun. And that's another thing when you're looking at running back, especially for the chief scheme, are they guys who can run well at a shotgun because how much Mahomes likes to be in it or the guys that they need the quarterback under center, because you need guys that can be comfortable in shotgun. Like Damien Williams was in, you know, and Kareem hunt was it's a certain point there where he was able to be a power back out of shotgun, which is hard to do. And there's some running backs that, like I said, they need to be under center. So, I mean, JD McKissick, I thought he did really well with all that. Um, he was physical and pass pro. So I know the running backs coaches would love, would love him. Um, and Eric B would have loved him whenever he was the running backs coach. And he's really dynamic in the flats and out, out of screens. I mean, he, he'd be lethal in the, in the chief's scheme when they're in shotgun. I mean, he's got, he's got very similar speed and a skill set to McKinnon him and McKinnon together on each side of Mahomes in a shotgun formation would be downright scary just with that much speed into the flats. Defenses would have problems with that. So, I mean, he was my number one guy. Um, 
Raheem Mostert from the 49ers. I really liked him. He's more of a zone running back, so they'd have to probably run some of that. I mean, he is coming off a knee injury, and so you don't know what his speed is going to be. You would have to check him out and do a physical on him. And I think the Dolphins and 49ers are probably going to be in the mix for his service. So I I don't know if, you know, they feel 100% be available. But, I mean, when he was healthy, man, he can he can he can hit the home run on one single run. Just just block it right with the Chiefs interior. That guy can take it the distance. I mean, he was so good in screens and out of the flats. Like I, I if that guy gets back to 100 percent, you can get him cheap because of an injury. Him or McKissick, I think they bring so much to that offense. And then the third guy that I kind of was kind of surprised by, he's more of a more of a kind of power back. He's got a good blend of speed and power was a uh, Rashad Penny from the Seahawks. I think he's going to cost a little bit more, but he had really good vision. He saw the cutback lanes. I mean, he hit the hole quickly and he got North and South quick without hesitation. And I mean, he's at his best when the quarterback's under center. So, or, or in the option, you know, in that regard or out of, I remember correctly, I think he's pretty, he's not too bad out of pistol either. Um, but I mean, he can run out of shotgun. It's just not as fluid. So, I mean, if the Chiefs, you know, if they're wanting a guy that's going to run on a shotgun like 60, 70% of the time, Penny's probably not the guy, but if they're going to blend it between the two at a good price, like he could he could give them a happy medium compared to what McKissick and uh, Moster could do. And then finally, I put Leonard Fournette in there. He's more of a gap-style running back. So if you had him, you're going to have to run more gap scheme, and the defense is going to know that. But, I mean, he can he can run on a shotgun. He did with the Patriots. And he, you know, he brings a, he has a, but he has more pop in his run and hitting defenders whenever he's under, when the quarterback's under center and he's doing a handoff. So he, uh, he would, he would replace Daryl Williams as the physical running back in the terms of that style. He didn't have the top end speed, like, you know, like the other running backs we previously mentioned, but I mean, he's able to catch out of the flats and I mean, you know, he, he can get up field quickly. I mean, he's, he doesn't have the same wiggle as the other guys we mentioned, but I mean, there's, there's enough there that they could work with. But again, I think he's cost wise. I put him down low on there just cause I think, I think some teams can overpay it for him. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it, go back to LSU. I mean, he's always been a guy that, that big things were expected from. And I, and there's going to be people who remember that. I mean, it only takes one of the 32 GMs to, uh, to fall in love with that and, and overpay. Also should probably mention Derek Gore. I mean, obviously uh, he's technically a free agent, but he's an exclusive rights free agent. So um, if the chiefs want him back, he'll be back on the roster. And I, I would expect him to be in training camp and um, you know, and, and go through that process to try to make the the team once again. Um, is there anybody else? I mean, there's others, there's other guys, you know, James Connor had a fantastic season with the Cardinals, right? Um, you know, I mean, uh, and you know, you've got guys, whether it's Sony, Michelle, James white with the Patriots who, you know, catch a lot of passes. Why are some of those guys not on your, on your list as far as fits for the chiefs? Um, they either didn't have the speed that I, that I was looking for, for their size or on top of it. I just didn't feel like they ran well out of shotgun. I know that sounds weird to say, but I mean, the reason Fournette's on there and he doesn't necessarily, he's not great out of shotgun. And the reason Penny was on there is just, they had such unique combinations of speed and power and their running style that I thought was something that the chiefs could take advantage of that. A lot of those other guys I felt were too one dimensional in other ways and just didn't have some of those traits that really kind of jumped out at you. Like a guy I would have loved to put on there had been Philip Lindsay from the dolphins. Like, I mean, I love Philip Lindsay, you know, whenever he was with the Broncos, but man, I tell you what, whenever I was watching him, 
with the Dolphins and with the Texans, he just didn't have that same burst anymore. And so, like, that's that's a bummer in that regard. So, you know, like that. And then Matt Breida, you know, with the Bills, like I – you know, he did a good job whenever he's with the 49ers, but he's kind of fallen off there with Buffalo. So I think there's, I think they can get a veteran running back out there without much of a problem or much of a worry. But I mean, the, those first two I mentioned with McKissick and Moser, like those guys, man, if they, if Chiefs can get them and they're healthy, man, I'm, I'm really pumped about what they can do in that backfield with those guys. There was some chatter midseason about, you know, maybe some interest in Marlon Mack making yep. a trade there, stuff like that. Um, you know, but he, he's another one of those guys that doesn't seem, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't recovered from his injury, man. Like, I mean, I kept watching them before it. Like I like to watch guys before their injury. So I know where their baseline was at and where they were versus where they are after. And like, he's, he hadn't gotten it back. That's what, that's why the Colts were willing to move him and shop him. So it just, yeah, it didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton there. I mean, it would have helped the chiefs last year, but once McKinnon got going and then offense like that, it didn't matter anymore. You didn't need anybody else at that point. Unless McKinnon got hurt, that he needed somebody. Luckily, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, anybody else you want to include, or what are we going to talk about next week? Well, Todd, I think next week what we can do is we can go over our dream free agencies before free agency begins, and we can do a we can do a recap of the NFL Combine once it's all uh, to use the term from Eric Bieniemy after it's all said and done. Um, you know, we can do that, and I mean. I don't know if people want to talk linebackers, but I mean, we could, but I just, I don't think linebackers is something that people are really, really big on. And plus I can see it in the article on KSHB.com. Yeah. Linebackers, um, you know, tackles, um, offensive tackles that is this time. Um, and then we'll see who, uh, who else potentially uh, maybe doesn't take the pay cut or ends up getting released for cap issues. Um, I know that article is coming out as well. Hopefully none of those guys get released before then or that, you know, those still have analysis in there, but I mean, you know, who knows, but I mean, like I'm telling you, man, I'm keeping my eyes. I'm keeping my eyes on Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. I'm watching them and I'll be curious to see what happens with Amari Cooper down in Dallas. Those are guys that I'm definitely keeping, keeping eyes on. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it'll, this is, uh, you know, they talk about Saturday being moving day in, in the golf world, right? Like you play your first two rounds, then you want to make your move and put yourself in contention for Sunday. Um, the, we're kind of entering the Saturday, you know, uh, of this free agent period. It, it's moving day. Teams are going to have to start getting the, the deck in order. Um, you know, I mean, the, I, I think after the combines, when you're going to start seeing a lot, a lot of that right, move, you, movement. The, yeah. And you're going to start seeing, um, Some franchise you know, tags the, that'll probably the, make the me Frank unhappy. Clark, the Frank Clarks of the world, those contracts are going to get, res, have to get resolved. Um, you know, the Orlando Brown situation is going to have to get resolved because the chiefs are going to have to create the space they want to go get the players that they want, um, in free agency. Um, and they'll have a pretty good handle on what's going to be available at, at 30 and, and on down on their draft board. Um, you know, and so now it'll be about, you know, Brett Veach making the moves he needs to make to get in position, um, you know, to get a Joe Tooney or, uh, you know, or who, whatever that version is going to be on the defensive line this year. Cause I think that's where they'll start. That may not be the first player they sign, but I think that's the number one priority is that defensive line. So, 
Collectively, yes. With with draft and with free agency, the fact that Brett Beach mentioned it as many times as he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's what they that, I mean, I'm telling you, we've talked about it before, but I, I think they're gonna need to add at least four guys, if not five. Like, I mean, that they're gonna have to do that. So and and part of that and oh, and two of that two, if not three of those guys, I think are gonna be from draft. I think one I think two will be from free agency and maybe even one of those guys. Is one of the guys that they're a couple of guys or hopefully guys that they've picked up, you know, like maybe it's a Malik Herring, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Darius Stills, maybe it's one of those guys that was on the practice squad or signed a futures deal, you know. So, I mean, there's the, I just, I think they're going to make sure there's no stone unturned on the defensive line and anybody that they can get to make a difference, I think they're all about that. But I do think they're going to have to, I think they're going to spend premium money at receiver and they have to do that. In my book, they have to do that, get one of those impact guys. And then they're they're going to need to spend spend some money on D line, and those those are the biggest things that if they get in free agency, I feel a lot better with where they're at, you know, and the flexibility it can give them for the draft. Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk more about it next week, and then uh, you know, like I said, I mean, the franchise tags will start coming. Although a lot of times teams wait until late in that process. Um, Either way, Tuesday could be a really happy day for me. It could be a real sad day. Yeah. So. Uh, Monday or Tuesday will probably be the big days for that, um, you know, and we we should have a uh, an idea there about whether Nick's dream of Mike Williams coming uh, is worth mentioning on the podcast next week or whether uh, it's gone down in flames. Let's not put that out in the universe. I don't like negativity. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm rooting for you, big guy. Uh, I'm hoping that the Chargers don't want uh, Mike Williams around uh, on a franchise tag deal. Um, and that he wants to come play with Patrick Mahomes on a discount. I I feel like he would love to come play with Patrick Mahomes. I just Probably don't know discount, if, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the Packers are going to wreck it with Devontae Adams. Cause dude, I'm telling you what, man, things I'm hearing about Devontae Adams right now, that guy is, uh, that guy is a guy that a lot of people were willing to pay a lot of money for. Yeah. He's pretty good. I totally get it, but. Like, I mean, I, I think the Chargers would pay that money. I, I, I've heard that the Raiders would pay that money. Wouldn't surprise me if Doug down in Jacksonville wanted to pay that money. Yeah. As a kid, it wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos were crazy enough to want to pay that money, even though they got receivers already. I mean, I think he's per, pretty clearly the best wide receiver to ever come out of Fresno State um, for yeah. whatever that's worth. So um, probably worth every penny, right? I, I, I still think... Yeah. I still think it it's going to be hard. Like if if uh, if Rogers wants him, it's going to be hard to, to for Green Bay not to uh, franchise him, keep him around. So. Oh, I, I fully expect Adams to get franchised by the Packers. Is just I think Rogers decides if they keep him or if they move him for some picks. Yeah, well, and I, I suspect that the answer will be keep him. I don't I, I don't know if I'm Rogers, and I've had the success I've had the last couple of years. If I want to. Uh, you know, take a flyer, especially with some of the other guys they've got, you know, the, the Valdez. No, I, and I'm, and I'm not saying that way. Like I'm that. saying if Rogers comes back to the Packers, right. If Rogers leaves, then yeah. If Rogers decides to move on, then yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to like, start, I, I, you got to blow it up and start entertaining some other. Yeah. Up. That's what I'm saying. Like, so that's, that's what we'll wait on the Rogers decision and kind of go from there. All right. All right. Well, Hey, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Um, uh, I hope the rest of you enjoy your weekend. Have a, have a good week. And, uh, um, it'll be spring sooner you know, than you realize, and, and it'll be the draft. And this will be the last draft that the NFL has that doesn't take place in Kansas City. 
at least for you know until 2023 until 2024 good call todd good call so with that i'm gonna bid you adieu <laughs> all right take care kids <laughs>